That over there is half of your hosting team, Matt Fisher. Woo! And I am your other half, Ryan Whedon. Two guys that are here to talk about movies with this you. Date and now we don't. Yeah. We do this instead. That reminds me, uh, have you been getting some uh, Facebook reminders of friend diversaries recently? No. You might be. Yeah? Yeah. Like, like when? Like... Tomorrow? Soon? <laughs> my, uh, I just know my friend had her 10th wedding anniversary. Okay. And I remember when I came back from that wedding was when I, uh, I decided that we needed to break up. Oh, okay. Yeah. All I know is that a lot of my, the people that I friended initially on Facebook was because after we broke up, I initially just went to the coffee shop and started my Facebook account for the first time. Yeah. That's why I'm wondering. Oh. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it was like end of September or something, right? Mm-hmm. Somewhere around here. Okay. Well, I'll keep you all posted. <laughs> Do you ever worry that you've run out of good movies? Like, the the only good movies that you have left to see are the ones that haven't been made yet? Have you seen something, like, you know, that's, you know, 20 years old that, like, blew your mind recently? Hmm. I haven't, but okay. that doesn't mean that uh, they're not out there. Sure. I, did, I think about that because I was going through like our list and there was a big block like from like between season one like all the way into like late season three where all of your picks I had seen already mm. and a lot of them I liked more on rewatch or watching it with like this type of critical eye uh-huh. and then of course all my picks I've seen right and I just I, I just started to worry that like maybe the best movies I've already seen oh man and that uh, the only truly good ones left are the ones that are yet to be made. <laughs> Because, I mean, there's, I still, I'm a firm believer that there's a crop of directors out there that are as good as any, you know, uh, dead directors. Like, that we, we have people making movies who are just as talented as, you know, the greats. Yeah. In, in, in my point of view. like Currently? Currently. Yeah. You know, between, like, David Fincher and Pedro Almodovar and Lars von Trier, like, I feel like there's just a whole crop of very talented directors still making movies... That are great. You know, Gone Girl, David Fincher's Gone Girl is one of my favorite films. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, I mean, of his especially, but I'll put it like, I'm going to be broad here, like top 50. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie. So, you know, there are still great movies coming out. Like, I, I don't feel that we're not in a, uh, a, a good time for movie making, but I do sometimes feel like when I go back a lot, like, nothing's really wowed me historically yeah well and it gets harder too it's like the citizen kane effect right where people watch it now and they're like what's the big deal Mm. (laughs) but like at the time it's to be fair that is how i am when i watch citizen (laughs) i don't know i watch mildred pierce now and i'm still just like that's an amazing movie yeah i worry about that sometimes don't worry rest your weary head (laughs) do we want to talk about harry dean stanton at all oh yeah i mean are we going to turn into Dead Celebrity <laughs> Movie People podcast? <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I kind of already thought he was dead. <laughs> so 91. I, I wasn't 
super sad when I found that out. Did you think uh, he was like CGI'd into the newest Twin Peaks or, or what? <laughs> he wasn't. For like a hot second though. It's not <laughs> like he had a big role. Mm. Uh, I don't know, he was 91. He looked at least 70 years older than that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's natural causes. Like, yeah. That's not so sad. But he, he's got like the Willie Nelson effect where it's like he must have gone from young to old in just the blink of an eye. <laughs> and just stayed super old. Yeah. But, you know, I love Paris, Texas. He's good in Repo Men. Mm-hmm. Or Man. Man. And, yeah, he was always fun in whatever he cropped up in. Yeah. He's probably the best part of Pretty in Pink. Yeah, definitely. So. He could have been a great face for a um, Guy Madden film. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, craggy and just would have worked. Yeah, no, that would have been an easy one, I feel. Yeah. Anyway. I'm not saying anything. Last time I tried to say, like, a last thing for Dead Celebrity went horribly awry. So, bye, Harry. I don't know. (laughs) I watched a good movie last night. Oh, yeah? What'd you watch? Uh, I finally got around to watching Get Out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you see it? I did. I liked it a lot. I liked I mean, it a lot, too. It's, it doesn't need praise from us. Everyone loves it. Yeah. But, like, it was cool to see that he's really making this film with the director's eye. I had a similar thought. I was worried going into it that he was going to have, like, something to prove mm-hmm. directing-wise. And that he'd, like, over-direct the hell out of it. Yeah. He really didn't, though. Yeah. Like, George Clooney, if you ever watch a movie that he directed. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, he over-directs <laughs> it to death. Yeah. And this was not that. Like, the movie was the star of this movie, yeah. not his directing. Yeah, it was great. It was nice. And you can see the directors from the past that he's referencing, too. Like, I saw some like some, some Kubrick in there. I saw a little bit of Jonathan Glazer a little bit. Okay. And, like, even some Cronenberg going on. I thought on. I saw, like, a little Mario Bava in there, because it was, like, the dude in the suit, like, near the beginning, which reminded me of uh, Danger Diabolic. Yeah. So, it was cool. You know, he's, he's pulling on... The past too, yeah. and make, making something totally new, but also like presenting a different viewpoint and a new viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it; it was great. Yeah, I'm really in horror mode right now, so that mm-hmm. would just like fit right in. Me too, which is why I watched the first two Leprechaun movies over the weekend. Oh man! Fuck you, Lucky Charms. I saw the first Leprechaun at a sleepover. It was like my twelfth birthday, I think, and uh-huh. I had like a bunch of my friends over, and my mom. Took us to Blockbuster and we rented a bunch of horror movies. Oh, fun. And, you know, I turned 12 in 96, 97. Okay. So very much in the height of the Friends popularity. Right. <laughs> and Jennifer Aniston's in this movie. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was all like, we were all psyched to see like her first movie before she had made it big. But the movie itself, watching it with adult eyes... Not great. Oh. <laughs> it kind of inhabits a strange place where they sort of infantilize the leprechaun. Like, all his kills are, like, him on a pogo stick or, like, him roller skating after someone. That's or, right. Like, him on a skateboard, like, dodging everything. And it's, like, just because he's small doesn't mean that he's a child. Yeah. And, like, I know he's supposed to be mischievous, but, like... Yeah. Takes a lot of the terror out of it. Yeah. Know. But it was far too gory for children. Like, this couldn't be, like, a, the gate style, like horror movie for kids Mm. the kills were actually like pretty gory and violent i do think that it's weird because he takes a four-leaf clover and like wraps it in gum and like that's what he slingshots into the leprechaun's mouth Mm -hmm. for some reason leprechauns like 
their Achilles heel is a four-leaf clover. Yeah. Which I thought was strange. Like, I'm not totally up on my leprechaun mythology, but... <laughs> yeah, what, what what should be the right thing? Like a horseshoe? Maybe. Like another... What's another lucky charm? Or no, Rainbow? Lucky... They go to a gay pride parade and kill them. <laughs> but it kills them because he's Irish, not because he's <laughs> a leprechaun. Yeah, we need, like, a, an, an Italian stereotype to come in and shoot a... Meatball with some spaghetti wrapped around it. <laughs> but I also watched the second one, which I saw years ago, and like it was so bad that I just stopped going through the franchise. And I watched it, and I'm like, you know, like it looks a little hokey, and there's some problems. But I was like, altogether, it was kind of watchable. Oh, okay. And I, I actually would go as far as to say that the the script itself wasn't bad. And I know it's not high praise. Continuing our schlocktober here on hex-rated boo-vies with uh, today's pick, which is The Descent. So I don't know if you know this, but you did pick one of like my all-time favorite horror movies. I didn't know that. Um, it is my, maybe my favorite horror movie. It, it, this is only your second viewing, though, correct? Yeah, because the first time I was so scared that I'm like, well... Don't ever need to see that again. Mm, 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 mm. Um, and watching it for this podcast, I realized the reason this movie is so scary to me personally is that it plays on all my personal fears. Oh, really? Yeah. I have horrible claustrophobia. I have terrible fear of heights. And uh, it's just the anxiety I feel when they first descend into the cave, which mm. happens, you know, 10 minutes into the movie and it doesn't <laughs> let up. <laughs> Yeah, one of my compliments for this movie has always been that it's it's not one type of scary, it's many different types of scary. Yeah. That scene where they're crawling through that tight little trail, I don't even... It's a path of some sort, or it, they seem to think it is. It's really nerve-wracking, because A, the sound effect, it makes it sound like... Not like a helmet scraping, but it's like the sound inside the helmet as yeah. it's scraping. And their breathing it sounds so close to the mic. It just and like everything about they it. They show like when they start panting, like dust gets up, so it's like you feel like your mouth is getting sort of cottony and, and dry. Yeah. Like and so like when what's her face starts panicking and like, you know, she's breathing rapidly in and out and you like you see the dust, it's like that's just gonna make it worse. Like yeah. you're breathing hard and like you're getting dust in like oh god and, and then, then yeah and then i think of her friend coming back to save her and she comes in the other way and so she has to back out yeah like the idea of backing out of a small space like that yeah oh it's just i i'm tense thinking about it and then the the way that it's shot too is it you don't necessarily see the whole frame or like the whole cave the whole time yeah. a lot of times like hey they did a great job with, with color correction the blacks in here look black yeah. like you don't see the bars on the top of your screen because it's black and they they'll shoot it where there's just like them like up sort of in the corner area yeah. and you can see the light and you can see their two faces and then the rest of the frame is just pitch black. It's real oppressive. So it really gives this idea that there's just this tiny little spot that they're like working through. 
<laughs> visibly uncomfortable just talking about this. And well, then because like right after that, there's a you know a cave in which is you know part of my claustrophobia. And so to go from that tiny space and then to have it be the worst thing that could happen from being stuck in there, it's yeah. just like. Ah. So let's back up. Okay. Premise of the film: We have a bunch of spelunkers, all ladies, or adventure seekers. Yeah, and after a, I'm gonna say a big tragedy. I was yeah. gonna say mild, but no, no, it's pretty awful. She loses her husband and child, um, and it's like it's very visceral, and it happens out of nowhere. Are you okay? You seem a bit distant. I'm fine. <laughs> I've thought about um, movies uh, when they can when they can play tragedy like that when it really is meaningless mm-hmm. and just out of nowhere, like that is the saddest, most horrible thing I can imagine. Yeah, sometimes it's just like if a tragedy really is pointless like that. There was a This American Life a long time ago, where they interviewed drivers who had been found guilty of uh, vehicular manslaughter Mm -hmm. because it was, like, a true blue accident. Mm -hmm. They said that that was even worse than, like, if they had been drunk or something like that because an accident like that can happen again. Yeah. Like, they were afraid to drive because they were like, I wasn't doing anything wrong. This person just stepped out in front of me. Like, I just, I never saw it coming. Yeah. And just the thought of it happening again, like, ruined these things for people because there was... Like, even looking back on it, there was, like, nothing that could have been done to prevent it. Yeah. And that is is worse than if there was something that they could have done. Yeah. Meaningless. And that's how the movie starts. Yeah. <laughs> so, she has... Sarah is our main character. Okay. She loses her family, and then a year later, her friend, Juno, is like, we're going to go spelunking. I'm going to take you on an adventure, and, uh... Because Juno has some, like, guilt about that for some reason. I'm not really sure. Who she was sleeping with. The husband. Oh, she was? Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch it. There's like a part in the K where she said like, Sarah's not the only person who lost something in that accident. Oh. I mean, that's the inference at least is that Juno was sleeping with Sarah's husband. Well... She's riddled with guilt, then, yeah. and wants to take uh, Sarah out and make things all better by taking her on this crazy spelunking trip. Yeah. So it's supposed to be... It, it's relayed to the other adventurers that it's a cave that everyone knows. Right. Some people are complaining that it's too touristy, that, you know... The lesbian. <laughs> Holly. Yeah. The only danger is I fall asleep or in caves, like boredom caves. But in actuality, Juno has found some uncharted cavern and that they're going to be the first ones to go through it and that it's going to be named after them mm-hmm. and that they're going to, you know, really have an adventure. Which is so shitty. I've met some spelunkers in my day. They do not go in blind anywhere. Yeah. Like, they all do their own separate research and fucking learn the ins and outs of that cave yeah. backwards and forwards. Because, like, if you're just going down a passageway in a cave, you can't just turn around and find your way right. back. Because it's not like it's not like driving down the street 
and then you do a U-turn, and the street still looks the same. Yeah. The cave will look entirely different. There's no reference points, you know what I mean? So it's like, going in blind like that, she's just irresponsible. Yeah, no. Asking for it. (laughs) Basically. You get in trouble every time you say that. (laughs) I mean, a common complaint with horror movies is that the characters are doing things that the audience wouldn't. And this movie kind of walks that fine line where it's like, Everyone was kind of trusting Juno, but, like, in reality, everyone also, like, would have been doing their own research on this. Right. Uh, and, yeah, the fact that, like, everyone's caught unawares that this isn't, like, the tourist trap, you know, cave site that they all thought they were going to yeah. is slightly, like, out of the realm of possibilities in the situation for, like, serious adventures like this. Well, like, this... It's basically Juno and the Swedish woman are like, no, I've read the book on this cave. Yeah. Or at least the Swedish woman had, and she's like, this does not seem like what I read. She's yeah. Like, get the book out. Let's check this out. Yeah. And then but... that's when Juno has to be like, well, well, I didn't bring it and it wouldn't help us anyway. A couple other parts where I was like, mm, I would not do this. <laughs> uh, right when they get into the cave, like the mouth of the cave. Mm-hmm. And Sarah sees, like, the claw marks, like, the bloody claw marks. Yeah. I would be like, ah, oh, guys, <laughs> can we look at this real quick? There's some bloody claw marks on the side of this cave opening. She didn't say anything about it. Yeah, she kind of touches it, like, sees that it's, like, the exact length of someone's fingers. Yeah. The width. Uh, and then she, you know, pulls her hand back. And it's a creepy moment. Like, you see her do that, and you see that it's like, oh, this is someone clawing for their life. Yeah. Uh, and then she just... Mum's the word on that one. Uh, Doesn't want to be a party pooper. It, it is a creepy moment, though. Like, you you have that same reaction, I feel, that she does. Like, the audience shares that reaction. Yeah. But also, it's like, so when they get to, like, the first, like, real tight crevice that they have to crawl through. Yeah. And they're all, like, crawling through it because that's the way the wind is blowing. Like, someone pulls out a lighter. Yeah. And finds that, like, that's where, like, the air current is. And, I'm, like, that that's, like, the second point where it'd be like, I'm going to stay here. Yeah, you guys go ahead. I'm, I'm happy right yeah. now. In that crevice, though, they have to, like, go underwater. Yeah! And I would definitely be like, no, no, no. I'm not going into this Mesozoic pool of <laughs> filth here. I'm I'm cool with having dinosaur herpes near my peen. <laughs> they go in, like, without giving it a second thought, though. Like, they're crawling out like it ain't no thing. Yeah, Ho- Holly is just like, oh, I found it. And just, like, dives into this bread box-sized hole mm-hmm. and just starts clawing through it. Mm-hmm. Like, I would take one look at that and say no thanks. It I wouldn't does... even get to the water part. <laughs> it does paint these women as, like, Cameron-style badass bitches. Like, <laughs> the fact that, like, they don't even hesitate to, like, go in this water and come out the other end. Yeah. I would totally pussy up in that moment. Like, <laughs> I know that's a sexist term, but it helps illustrate my point. <laughs> I've repelled before into a cave, actually. Oh, okay. So I, I kind of was like, I could probably do this first part, but... Even um, with your arachnophobia? Yeah. Or whatever the fear of heights is? <laughs> I hope that, like, in reality, all those women, like, hated it and were terrified just, like, being on set of it and just acted really cool. Yeah. Because, like, they come out and they look like they're fine. Like, they look like they just walked through a tunnel. Like... <sighs> anyway, that's the squeeze. that's the squeeze section that, um... Makes my palms sweat. Yeah, because Sarah, for whatever reason, is the last one to go through. I'm like, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I feel like she should have been in the middle, like, in case something went awry. Yeah. Because she's the one who's, like, on the recovery. Like, 
She lost her her husband and child. Yeah. This is like her first trip back out into Adventure Time. You know, use the buddy system a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, after the cave-in, that's when Juno has to say, we're lost. Yes, because the, there's a cave-in, so they can't go back from whence they came. Right. They have to keep moving forward. Which is like a fear I didn't know I had until watching this movie is getting lost in the cave system. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like later, there's some there's a period where they're like running through the caves from things, and like in that part, I was less scared of the creatures and more scared of the thought that like they don't know where they are already, and they're like even more don't know where they are because they're just running randomly through everything. They're never gonna find their way back. So almost every summer, some friends and I go to the Ape Caves here in Washington. Okay, uh, it's it's a uh hollowed-out lava tube uh, in Mount St. Helens. Oh, okay. Now, there's two trails. One is, like, it has, like, a railing, and it's, like, child-friendly, and it's totally flat. But the other one, it's not, like, treacherous. Like, we're not having to climb anything. But, I mean, it's sort of treacherous. Like, one of us always ends up bleeding, like, throughout the trip uh, just by, like, bumping your heads where, like, the ceiling gets low or scraping your knee on something. And there is a point where there's, like, a wall that you have to climb. Oh, gosh. And there's, like, places to grab and, like, sometimes, like, another hiker will, like, leave a rope. But my friends and I always joke that, like, we should turn off the flashlights and just run to the end. (laughs) Because we would just die after, like, 20 steps. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, like, when you're in a cave, it's not like being in a in a regular space where, you know, walls and things are at 90 degrees, they're at various weird angles. It's so easy to hit your head. Yeah. um, And lose your footing. The the first time that I did the the ape caves thing, my friends kept telling me, like, it's really cold down there. And they're like, it's so dark. Like, it's so dark you won't believe it. Hmm. Like, you need, like, a main source of lighting and a backup source of lighting. And so, like, I, I go down, like, a t-shirt, and I got, like, some puny flashlight, and I get down there, and I'm like, it's so cold down here, <laughs> and dark. <laughs> so, yeah, I keep, I always think of the descent when I'm, like, going through the ape caves, because, like, yeah, if I had to run more, there's, like, some flat parts in the cave, but there's also a lot of huge mountains of fallen rocks that i have to climb over yeah and they're not always stable yeah like you have to be careful where you put your feet down and the idea of running through that is essentially a death wish yeah it's so treacherous yeah besides the dangers of spelunking they also have to cross a huge crevasse yeah which like which i don't know if that's the right word for it cavern or cliff precipice precipice (laughs) That like, oh, she's so the they're under physical <laughs> stamina that it would take to like get the I don't even know what those locks were called. Uh, yeah, but someone essentially has to put in like jerry rig these cinches. Sure, they're like spring loaded hooks. Yeah, it's like they put them into a, a crack in the ceiling and they sort of spread out and spring forward and really lock in there so that yeah. they can attach a rope across. And they don't look like they would hold somebody. But... They do not, but apparently they do. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, you're hanging with one arm in on the... <laughs> it looks so sad. And Because this is... It's just like, we follow up this scene with now, oh, now we've got to worry about heights underground yeah. all of a sudden. 
Yeah, so we have this one girl, she's hanging on to one of these cinches, and then she has to, like, force herself up high, like a one-arm pull-up, essentially, and then, like, get this other one in there. Yeah, and she can't, like, swing to do it, like, gets the momentum to swing, because they'll never get in. Yeah. She's just got to, like, hoist herself up. And, like, hold herself there while she, like, fiddles with it to get it jerry-rigged. And they do a good job because, like, she moans like she's in pain. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, because, like, you're lifting up your entire body with, like, your tricep. Yeah. And, like, tons of rope weight and things. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's got gear on her and everything. Mm. Hiking boots aren't, you know, weightless. Yeah. Yeah, it's brutal. They dropped a rock down to, like, see how far it was. It takes forever to make the sound. Yeah. Anyway, they make it across, thankfully. Yeah. But then, like, um... Juno decides, like, we need to keep all the gears possible. So then she takes out, like, the, the, the cinches as she comes across last. Yeah. And so she has to go through this whole thing over again in reverse. And the last... So the last pin, she just... She, like, there's a, a old climbing gear down yeah. there and she clips to that yeah but as juno's coming back that one falls out and she falls and uh she was holding the rope and the rope just like burns yeah. through her hands that cut was deep too when they yeah. show her hand i was like that's not like rope burn that like fucking sliced her palm yeah looks bad it yeah looks really bad. it does not look good i guess that this is the point when when they do some more um lighter work yeah and that's when uh this lesbian Holly takes off thinking she sees light. Do we know she's actually a lesbian? I'm just gonna go with it because sure. she, she's giving me a real lesby vibe. And uh, <laughs> she reads gay to me. Sure. If she's not, I, I mean. I mean, she's got the hard butch thing going on. Yeah. So. I got the impression also when they're in the cabin that she was like trying to sleep with one of them. But mm. maybe I'm just projecting. But she takes off, falls down. A thing, yep. and it's a compound fracture in her leg. Uh, yeah, she's got... I mean, you can tell from the whole movie, like, leading up to it, that she's a, you know, leap-before-you-look sort of girl. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of does. Like, she thinks she sees daylight, but it's actually just, like, phosphorus stone that looks like daylight hitting rocks. And, yeah, she falls down a hole, and bone protrudes out of her shin. Oh, God. Like... I don't think I'd ever be able to recover from a compound fracture. I would just faint away if I had one in my of my leg. I'd just be like, well, goodbye, world. <laughs> the southern damsel yeah. would just come out and take over. and I, w- I wouldn't be able to handle it. Instead of, like, a genie coming out of a bottle, just a damsel in distress comes out. And... <laughs> I will grant you three death wishes. <laughs> Just take me now. Don't. I don't even want to deal with my. I don't even I want to deal with my. Con- even. <laughs> I'm underground. I'm lost, and now my bone is sticking out of my leg. Just None take of the me now. Slept with me last yeah. night. <laughs> Done. 
Thankfully, one of them's a doctor or a med student. Yeah. And they're able to push the bone back in. She basically just has to, like, put her palm on the protruding bone and shove it back into her shell. It's like, uh, what's, the, what's that, like, pioneer medicine kind of thing? She's like, here, bite on this. Here we go. Yeah, they, they give her, like, one of, like, some of the repelling gear, I guess. And she just bites down on that while they shove the bone back into her body. She toughs it out, though. Yeah, she made it through. And, you know, she's up on one leg after that. And uh, then they find the exit and they leave and everything's happy. <laughs> you know, things get worse from there. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like my sixth viewing, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, give or take. The jump scares still surprise me. Like, I'm still never quite able to get the timing of it just right. Like, it always takes me off guard. So, Sarah's been kind of, like, hearing things this whole time. Like, she saw the claw marks, and she she, yeah. keep, she keeps thinking she's hearing and seeing things, but she's like, you know, when you're in a cave, your mind plays tricks on you, da-da-da-da. I mean, yeah, they, they, the way that the movie portrays it is that she was hearing the voice of, like, her daughter laughing at right. her points. Right, So, I mean, that would be, like, something playing tricks on her, but that's just sort of clouding her judgment for when she actually does see something. Yeah, and that, the reveal of the creatures is still really creepy to me because it's, you just have this small circle of light, that's, that's her flashlight basically, moving yeah. around this cavern, and then all of a sudden you see sort of like Gollum, basically. Yeah. Really small and yeah. far away, like you can't really tell what it is, but it looks at her and then takes off. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's sort of creepy, it's unnerving. I mean, the movie does a very good job at several different points to really establish mood. Yeah. You know, when she has that, like, bad dream when she's in the hospital running and the lights are turning off? Right. Like, that's a different type of scary. And when it kind of gets to this point, like, it's also unnerving. Like, nothing jumped out. Like, the light revealed this thing. It's not like the thing jumped out at her. Right, it's just kind of hanging out, but the light slowly finds it. Yeah, and, the, yeah, the movie just does a really good job of establishing a creepy mood. Mm-hmm. Well, I the first time I saw this, I didn't know that that was going to happen. For me, yeah, the, the creatures aren't even the scariest part. No. But it is, it's almost a catharsis in a way, because all those other fears are just anxiety, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, really slow, tense anxiety building. And then you kind of get this release of, like, okay, now we actually have something physical that we can be scared of or project that. Of those anxieties and that energy onto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that reveal. And then they get revealed right after that with the um, infrared. It's like she's using the, the infrared on her camcorder. And it pans and like it, like they turn it to be... Yeah, behind one of them is this creature just standing there. Yeah. What do you mean you don't know? There's no breeze. It could be any one of these tunnels. Take your pick. Oh, fuck it. Hello! Please. I think that's a pretty scary reveal, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's another one. That's like a jump scare that, like, the timing is fairly unpredictable on it. Yeah. And they play with the jump scares in this, too, because I remember there's one scene where Sarah's looking around, like, she thinks that she sees or hears something a little earlier on, and the way that, like, it's framed is, like, you expect her to, like, stand up and for something to be there, mm-hmm. but she stands up and there's nothing there, and then she turns around and it's Juno. Yeah. And, like, that's scary. Yeah. And so it does a good job of, like, playing with the expectations of a jump scare. 
But so yeah, so then they have to fight these weird like cave creatures for a while. Yeah, and that's the that's kind of the rest of the movie. Yeah, is that like it's re- they don't show up? I took a note of it here. Fifty six minutes in, and yeah. the movie's like an hour forty five. Yeah, we're in it for almost an hour before the, these creatures even show up. Yeah, the, but the creatures introduce like another fun element. Like we finally get gore right. essentially at this point, and they do a good job. One of the things that I hate about like Rob Zombie movies. Mm-hmm. Is the blood in it is like the crimson black blood that's mm-hmm. like, you know, someone gets hit in the face and there's suddenly like, their face is like covered with blood, but it's like black and dry already. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this just doesn't, it doesn't look fun. These creatures, like when they kill someone, it's sort of like a bright red yeah. gore that reminds me of like my favorite gore from like the 70s where it's like almost like unbelievably red. Yeah. The color palette in this movie is very, once they go under into the cave, it's very limited. Because they light things with, like, red flares. Yeah, and then, the you know, green glow sticks. Right. Oh, there's a little bit of green. Um, but then, like, you know, it's just the brown cave. Yeah. And they're, like, unremarkable colored clothing. Yeah. Like, it's a very muted color palette, plus red and green at points. Yeah. But uh, it just serves to, like add to sort of the bleakness of their situation you know it just adds to the dread (laughs) but it does a good job of like when you know you finally see like daylight at one point at the end yeah yeah it feels like daylight yeah it feels like you haven't seen light in so long yeah because yeah the daylight looks remarkably different from like their headlamps and stuff like that yeah uh and it does a good job of even though like the majority of the lighting is headlamps or flares or glow sticks Everything where it needs to be looks fairly well lit, like, but it doesn't look unbelievable. Like, it doesn't look like the lighting source is coming from something that isn't part of the story or the movie. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but they still do a good job of making it seem full body. Like, you still see everything. Yeah. I almost feel like this last half is not unremarkable, but just... Well, I guess one thing I like to t- I'd like to talk about is I, I like the scene when Juno finally, like, takes on one of these things with the ice pick. Okay. They get separated. Yeah. Because the monsters, like, they all kind of go scattering. And Juno takes on one of them, kills it. Yeah. And then she hears what we think, and she thinks is one sneaking up behind her. But she hears it, and she just spins around and stabs Beth through the neck. Yeah. Ice axe through the neck is another one of my fears that I will do it to somebody else. So, really? this movie is just really personalized. That is an interesting, very specific <laughs> phobia. Yeah, I didn't even know I was afraid of it until I saw this movie. Yeah, and that then creates a problem because Beth grabs the necklace, like a little feather pendant off Juno. Right. And like has it in her hand, and Juno just leaves her to die. Yeah, and it sucks because Beth is like, don't leave me, don't leave me. Yeah. Too. And it's like, girl. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like, I mean, it's a tough moment. It's like, there's really no saving her. Yeah. She's got an axe to the neck, but she's your friend. Yeah, and even though you did it, she's still calling out to you. Yeah. Ugh. And so, yeah, Juno leaves her. Yeah, it's rough. It is rough. <laughs> So yeah, Juno's sort of off on her own, uh, Swedish chick, and then the other one, whose names I can't remember, but they're sort of off on their own, and then Sarah's off on her own, mm-hmm. 
Polly got eaten. Because she can't run. Yeah. Yeah. No, they had to give her up. Yeah. Bye, Holly. Possibly the only gay character. But yeah, so they're all kind of making their way through at their own pace. You know, finding their own way to avoid the monsters or fight them or do whatever they need to do. Mm -hmm. uh, Sarah sort of has a um, Apocalypse Now moment where mm -hmm. a child, one of these creatures, attacks her and she kills it. Mm -hmm. And then the mother comes after her and she ends up falling into a fetid pool of blood and organ juices. I didn't think of the Apocalypse Now thing, but that does actually fit into like... Uh, I was thinking she just like says fuck it at that point. Well, she comes out of it and she reminds me of Carrie. Oh yeah, because she's just a stone cold bitch after that. Like, <laughs> like literally, because one of the creatures like comes looking for her and she lays flat on a rock while the creature crawls over her. Yeah, maybe she kind of sees herself a little bit in that mother creature after the child dies. Oh, like because yeah. the the mother creature's like you know those instincts kick in. And maybe she feels she's kind of like picking up on that rage a little bit. She's yeah. just like, I have zero fucks to give. Yeah, well, because she, she is lying on that rock, eyes wide open, covered in blood. Yeah. This creature's like standing on her while like trying to like sniff her out at the same time. Mm -hmm. And like foam is coming out of the creature's mouth and yeah. like falls on her. She is not faced. Doesn't even blink. Yeah. No, she's suddenly just like rock hard. Um, phrasing? But she gets out of there. And finds Beth, who is miraculously still alive. Yeah, but like under a bunch of like bloody body parts and yeah. animal parts and things. There's like just that. bones everywhere. These yeah. these creatures do not have a compost. Yeah. For for their food. <laughs> but yeah, then she Beth tells her like, "Oh, Juno's the one who did this." Yeah. Then, then she dies. Yeah. Um, and so now Sarah's like, "No, oh, this is information I could have done without." <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, she was like, uh, Juno, huh? Well, this just confirms all my suspicions. <laughs> and then they have, like, a little fight, and then Sarah's like, I don't want to be your friend anymore, Juno. And, and Ice acts her in the knee. <laughs> well, anyway, this is about the point when Sarah, like, sees light. Yes. So she has to crawl over this mountain of bones mm -hmm. uh, to make it towards daylight. And it's a cool shot. Like, it's yeah. just, it's like this uh, angled shot. You just see the white light coming in um, on the bones and her coming out. Still darkness on the other side, but this time it's lit by daylight, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, she gets out, gets in the car, drives away, which gave me some, like, Texas Chainsaw vibes a little bit, you know? But then there's, well, which, which, do you know which version you watched? The unrated version. Okay. That, I feel like, is the stronger ending. So, I think I, I saw the... I don't remember which one I saw in theaters, but I always remember the one that I saw in theaters. She gets back to the car and drives away, but there's a creature in the car. Like, that's the way that I remember it. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Mm -hmm. I could only find the, the R-rated version, which is the American release, where it ends with the jump scare of Juno. So the one that I saw has Juno in the car... But then she wakes up and she's still back in the cave. Right. And then she has a hallucination of her daughter's birthday and the yeah. birthday cake. And then you just hear the sound of the creatures closing in and then roll credits. I feel like that's the scarier, darker, better ending. Yeah. Like it's not the ending that the sequel 
uses. Oh, okay. This because the sequel is her. Like it starts out with her in a hospital, but she's the only one who knows where the cave is. So she has to lead the rescue team. Oh God! They go in again. Yeah, same cave. Same like it's her again, but it's like her leading a rescue team or something. Why would she go back in there? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. Is like they can't like get the you know the cadavers out without her. I mean that sequel is really bad. Okay, <laughs> like it's not at all worth watching. I think it's interesting. Like the director, so I don't know his name, but he was totally open. Neil to, Marshall. Neil Marshall. He's totally open to um, alternate endings. So when they said, you know, like, hey. Your ending isn't testing well with American audiences. Do you mind if we make it ended here or something? And he's like, okay, sure, whatever. I just feel like it's weird that he would be open to, uh, you know, people having completely different experiences with the movie. So full disclosure, Neil Marshall's not a very good director. <laughs> I kind of have, like, Toby Hooper syndrome with him where it's like, this is like a singular masterpiece, like mm-hmm. the way the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is for me, and the rest of his output is garbage. Mm. Uh None of his other movies even come close to this greatness. Mm. You know, he's directed a couple episodes of Game of Thrones, I think, too. Oh, okay. But outside of that, like, his other movies (laughs) are, like, okay at best. So this is one of those movies where, like, the glory of this I do not attribute to the director. Just because he has not shown the sort of skill in anything else that he's done. Mm. So, I mean, maybe all his other projects have been compromised or something. But I just, personally, I feel like... He isn't a director with like a, a strong vision per se, right? So I don't know. It doesn't surprise me that he's open to people tinkering with his work. Yeah, um, yeah. Who gives a shit? I don't yeah. care how it ends. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Like that's kind of how I feel about him. Yeah. I mean, he he did write the movie too. Mm-hmm. It was written and directed by Neil Marshall. So I mean, he does get some credit for it, but a lot of it I'm going to give credit to the cinematographer because the way that like the the colors are. And the editor for, like, the jump scares, like, the way that they're timed, yeah. they don't feel predictable. Like, I don't see them coming, even on multiple rewatches. I don't I don't know exactly where they come in. Right. Which, yeah, so even watching it this time around, like, I still get scared by them, even knowing that they're coming. So I'm giving the praise to the editor and the cinematographer in this one. Yeah. I was trying to think about the symbolism of an all-woman group going into a cave. You know, it's like, you... Like what, what Is this was... an allegory for their first periods or something? <laughs> Maybe. Or just like, you know, women tend to, like, the horror is often an exploration of interior spaces, like mm. going inwards. Whereas, like, you know, men, a male version of this would probably be like, I don't know. Them cl- climbing Everest. Climbing a mountain. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. So, good on you for doing that. Like, I like mm. that. You know, this movie's really wet a lot, you know? So, it's sort of like what they were saying, Moist. bound. Yeah, they were trying to, like, make it a really wet movie. <laughs> So I feel like they're kind of doing that with this, too. Yeah, I can see um, that. But I don't really feel like they, they really delve into the symbology of that very much, other than, like, hey, women, caves, it all works. You know? I do notice that, especially in the beginning when they're having, like, the girls' night in the cabin, mm-hmm. there is sort of, like, a anti-feminine thing going on, because, like, one of them walks out, like, in her pajamas that, right. like, looks like the wallpaper in my grandmother's bathroom. Yeah. And everyone makes fun of her for having these girly pajamas. That's right. And they're all drinking beer, like, out of a bottle. So, you know, I felt like those were conscious decisions, too, to, like, paint these women as not, like, girly girls. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. You know, you could view it as, like, yeah, these girls can, like, whip out their dick with any man. Yeah. Or it can be, like, that it's anti-feminine. So I don't know how you want to look at it, but right. it was just a couple things that I noted 
early on, like, the dynamic between the women themselves. But really, they, yeah. like, never talk about men in this. No. There's only one man in this movie, and uh, he dies in the first... Yeah, in the, in the pre-credit in the sequence. Yeah, or... I think he has, like, two lines. Um, so that's nice, too. That's refreshing. That's different. Yeah. I can see why someone might not find this movie terrifying. Like, if you're not claustrophobic, that that scene of crawling through that part might not be as scary to you. I feel like this movie's got something for everybody. <laughs> like, whatever scares you, there's a little bit of it somewhere in this movie. When I think of different types of scary, mm-hmm. like, you got one end of the spectrum, which is, like, Suspiria and Shining for, like, mood and eeriness. Mm-hmm. And then you got the other end of the spectrum, which is, I don't know... Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something where it's like all just like unrelenting onslaught of terror. Yeah. You know, this movie has all those elements in it. And I think a lot of people, you know, have put this on their like best horror movie of the last 20 it, years or so, which is... It is funny though. I feel like if you were a movie fan in 2005, like then you have at least heard of it, if not have seen it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you didn't watch a lot of movies in 2005 then it kind of went by you like yeah. i'll still talk to like movie fans who are younger who didn't really get into seeing movies until more recently mm-hmm. you know, within the last 12 years <laughs> who kind of missed it oh okay so i feel like yeah if you were a movie fan in 2005 then you know about and saw it mm-hmm. but if you didn't start really liking movies until after that which i know for you and i seems odd but what? there are people who did not get into movies till after 2005, <laughs> uh, who, they kind of missed out on it, I feel, a lot. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's definitely worth watching, even if uh, you're not a big horror fan, because I think it's uh, a really good example of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a woman who's, like, the descent is, like, this idea of her going into her mind to face these fears, or, you know, the descent into madness is another way you could kind of argue with it. Yeah, because there, there is sort of the theme that uh, it's about her overcoming her own fears and trepidations right? rather than her, like, overcoming these monsters. Sort of like Jaws is like that, too. Right. You know, Roy Scheider is, you know, afraid of, like, the water in that movie, and he, like, overcomes it at the end. So it's him, you know, facing himself, not the monster necessarily. Right. This kind of has that element to it, too, which is kind of why I hate the cave-in part of that like, I, oh. I feel like it kind of goes against the grain of, like, her overcoming, like, her own setbacks. Oh, okay. Like, it's fine, like, and it ratchets up the tension, but I kind of feel like I wish that she had just pulled it together and gotten out of the cave. Mm, mm-hmm. I, I've read theories that the creatures don't actually exist. Oh, yeah. And that this is this movie is just about Sarah losing her mind in uh, the cave. Yeah. I mean, and I then she's the one who actually kills Well, because in the end, when you see her, like, with, like, the hallucination of the birthday cake, you don't actually see any of the creatures. You hear them, yeah. but you don't see them. So that would sort of play into that. Yeah. I was trying to kind of watch for that this time around, and, I mean, you could make the case for it, but I just prefer to believe that these are real things. That, yeah, I do too. Um, but she does definitely hallucinate the end and never gets out. I prefer to think of it that way. Yeah. Anyway, good scare. Oh, yeah. I, no, I, I mean, I love it. Even, like, my mild critiques of it, like, do not overshadow how great a movie this is. Yeah. And I don't know if we've had a real great like, horror movie, like, definitely in that genre since this, really. 
not one that I think I can I can pin as. as I'll have to re-listen to our episode on Twix, but you might be right. (laughs) Yeah. How do you give a lemon an orgasm? Yes. Uh, what's next on our tour de horror? So next week, I want to choose just a classic slasher. Okay. Um, well, classic style slasher, not classic as in everyone has seen it. Okay. I'm going to do the movie Stage Fright. Not the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Okay. And not the horror band camp musical from a couple years ago. Okay. This is one from the mid-1980s called Stage Fright. All right. Uh, Italian produced, but dubbed into English for American audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also called Aquarius, in case uh, you're looking around and you can't find it. All right. Well, excited to, to find out and uh, well, be looking over my shoulder. Let's plug our junk and get out of here. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. X-rated movies. It's the best way to, to let other film fans know about the podcast. Mm-hmm. You can also contact us if you want to talk to us about what you think we did wrong or did right on Twitter at X-rated movies. Uh, also on Gmail at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And the best way to find out what we're up to and what we're doing next is on Facebook. Uh, you can like or follow us on Facebook at Rated X Movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's scary how much uh, info you can get from that. Oh, honey, that sucked. <laughs> Just trying to keep it all through line. So, yeah. Contact us. Talk to us. We'll contact you back. Yeah. We won't bite. Unless Hard. You, you ask. <laughs> Next week we'll uh, check out Stage Fright. And always remember, the best way to give a lemon an orgasm... Tickle it citrus. Bye!